they call me Crazy Jack. And I, I think crazy is good. We are crazy, but we're not stupid. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. Stay hungry, stay foolish. The Creativity Podcast. So uh, we are here with Derry, who is an amazing entrepreneur. He's the founder of uh, BGI and Strategy on a Page. He's a keynote speaker. He's an author. Uh, he's an adventurer. Um, adventurous guy overall and you have so much I have so many questions about many topics about what you do coaching education adventure sports um, I don't even know uh, what to start with but the first thing that comes to mind is that um, is what you you you, you put forward in, in on your website and in your biography and I think it's amazing that you climb six or seven of the highest mountains in the world so Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it all began, um, it's all part of, um, part of one of my main messages. I think generally it was, it's what I, the mantra I live by, which is live a life of no regrets, um, build a business of no regrets. Uh, and for me, that's been what's guiding me for 15 years now. Um, and it's a different question, right? So when I first answered, asked myself that question many years ago, is if I died tomorrow, what would I regret? One of the regrets was, um, adventure. I, I just had this, I had this burning desire inside of me to go and explore and, you know, do the coolest things and the most exciting and crazy challenges on earth. Loads of excuses clearly of why not and all that kind of bullshit that we put ourselves through. But that was, that was my, now some people that might be music or it might be yoga or it might be art or, or magic, right? If it's you, right? So you see, so you've got no regrets on that front. But for me, it was adventure and that was my drawing. So I decided that at that point, it was all about ultra-endurance, um, hence Marathon de Sable. Um, as a French person, you're probably one of the only people that can say that properly. Um, <laughs> Marathon de Sable was one of the first adventures, and it went on into, you know, the poles are on my list. I just think, I want to go and explore the world, right? I want to see this magnificent earth that we live on and just see it from the most amazing perspectives. Um, and for me, climbing the highest mountain on every continent Uh, was part of that journey uh, and I'm very blessed to have, have climbed a lot of them now still got a few to go and uh, still got a couple of summits to do um, but my you know I've got no regrets in that I've seen the world from the highest points of, of North America South America Africa Europe um, and the Himalaya so it's um, and wow. mother nature is just incredibly beautiful from those heights I bet it is I bet it is but the, it's also the way to get there I guess you learn a lot on yourself, the preparation, everything, right? It's, it's a whole journey. It's not necessarily the, the heights at the end, I guess. Well, it's the, it's the classic metaphor. A lot of people use this, you know, as a metaphor in life um, and for business. Uh, I, I can honestly say I've done it. So it's, and, it, and the metaphor is true. And I think the most profound thing about the metaphor is it is the journey, right? Because if you think about a summit, um, if I took... Um, Elbrus, Kilimanjaro, whatever, one of, any of those mountains. I'm on the summit for minutes. You know, you are spending typically years building up to being able to, especially the big mountains, the Himalaya, etc. It's years of journey, thousands and thousands of miles worth of work, you know, uh, blood, sweat, tears along the way. Um, and to stand on the summit minutes. Right? Yeah. That, that's life, right? And this is this this bullshitty goal setting mentality um mm. because we we hit a goal and you you hit you have the euphoria for minutes 
So if it's about the goal, then I think we're really hitting the wrong points, right, of life. And mountains taught me that. Um, so for me, it is it's absolutely about the journey. Uh, it's about enjoying every part of the journey. And I love mountains. You know, I, I, I'm never happier than when I'm on a mountain. I really am. So, you know, the journey. And it wasn't that way to start off with. I started with ego, right? I just, just you know, let's just climb nice mountains and all. I didn't quite realize just how magnificent they were and how much they test me, right? In every way, shape, and form. Um, so, but no, I, I love mountains. They're definitely in my soul. And I think one, they're one of the greatest metaphors of life. But uh, it's, it's not just about the summit. It's definitely one of the, the key metaphors that come out of that. Uh, what I love about what you do on, because uh, I'm in the coaching business, if I can uh, say so about myself, and I kind of know this industry a little bit, but what I've seen from you and what you do and your books and strategy and uh, your videos and your um, uh, um, diamond life design and, and everything, um, it's, it's different. There is always a little bit of um, an element that is a little bit uh, different. And that, that's, that's, what I, um, that's what I like. And when you talk about goal setting, usually in coaching is the basics, right? Like, yeah, just set a goal and then we'll see. Then we can see the steps. And you say that for you, goal setting is, is not necessarily about the goal. So can you elaborate a little bit about that maybe? Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm, this is very controversial, this topic, and I think it's part of an evolution. So um, for me, I'm always about trying to break back down, um, whether it's business or life, to its core components. You know, what makes me tick? What makes you tick? What makes a business tick? Um, so I'm always looking at frameworks and models of, of what, what makes that work. Now, I started a goal setting. Right. So, so, and I think a lot of people do as you, as you enter the personal development world or whatever, we, we start on this journey and everyone talks about goals. There's nothing wrong with having goals. Um, for me, I'm kind of um, surpassed goal setting, should we say that? Because, and here's why they're very binary. Um, and a goal is more of a, I want to do that by this point. Okay, smart goal setting, right? You, you specific, you measure, but you're achievable, you're realistic, you're timely. Okay, check. Let's, and we're going to do it by then. Now, that's quite egotistic. Yeah. Because we are dictating to the universe or whoever, whatever you decide to, you want to believe in in life, uh, of exactly how you're going to do things, when you're going to do them, and by what time. Now, what we are doing by doing that, and it depends on what spiritual journey you're on, you're kind of bypassing a lot of the magic. Mm. Right? So we are dictating exactly what we want and when we want it. That's the ego running the show. Hmm. Now, I've had a lot of experience with the ego running the show, um, and I'm still working on it. I'll be working on it to the day I die. But I also know that I'm, I let a lot go these days. I'm a lot more about letting go. And then, and then that's just a different journey, right? It's a different evolution. So for me, it's more about being clear. And I think this is where Diamond Life Design comes in, which is the framework of how I, I, I kind of design and integrate my entire life. Uh, the points of the diamond, and it is a diamond, the whole framework, it, it looks like a diamond, right? The points at the top of the point is not a goal. It's a feeling. And I think that is what I learned the hard way over 20 years, is I was busy chasing goals, chasing summits, to just have this moment fleeting um, minutes of supposedly feeling good, right? And actually, ironically, when you, you do have a slight euphoria when you're on the summit of a mountain, 
and it's a slight euphoria because you're absolutely wrecked. You're in, <laughs> you're in total exhaustion. You have a moment of sitting back and enjoying the view, but you have to be careful because you don't, you know, basically die when you're there and you've got to get back down because you're only halfway there. So even in some of the most beautiful, magnificent, amazing places I've been on the summits of some of the highest mountains in the world, it was fleeting, mm. right? Now, if we are chasing life and chasing goals all day long for those moments along the way, we've missed life. So for me, what I realized was, and it took me a decade to work that out, is the only thing that truly matters is not the goals I'm hitting, because actually a lot of you have achieved your goals and you've got your goals and you didn't feel good about it. Mm. The only thing that matters is feeling. Now that's going a little bit woo-woo, right? And there is, ooh, I'm supposed to be the strategy man and I do all this, you know, working with CEOs and everyone else. Yeah, but if you build a company and you build a multi-million pound company that you're proud of and you exit it and you actually fall into depression, which happens a lot, by the way. Yeah, if you build so. an incredible company and you're smashing profits and you you and you just, from, from the, you know, the FTSE 100, whatever, looking at you going, yeah, that's amazing. And yet you are miserable inside and you just lost your marriage and your kids don't speak to you. Is it really about what's the goal? What's the point? Yeah, what's the point? Right? So I, I'm just going, goals can be part of the journey. I'm not anti-goals. I like objectives more than goals. I, I like to have clear objectives. Cleared, um, one of my good friends, Derek Mills, he talks about daily standards and I, I love his work on daily standards. So I like to have a standard, you know, knowing what's important, know what matters, going for the big mm. stuff, allowing the magic to happen around it. But always coming back to the feelings, because I think I can certainly speak as a as a egotistical man in my twenties, right? Where I was kind of smashing and goal setting and doing all this stuff, which is what we were told to do. That was success, right? Uh, but it wasn't. It was empty. Um, and I think we've got to just be careful with that. Um, we are actually that we're chasing what matters. That we're doing what is meaningful. Um, and if we're going to choose goals choose them really carefully and ensure that you're empowered throughout the way. So, so I could go on all day long about goals. You, you didn't tell me you were going to yeah. hit me. <laughs> it's, it's super interesting. And I wonder, do you think most people feel like they still are going to chase those goals so they understand what you mean by saying what you mean now? Because that's what I feel sometimes like, I know, yeah, you're right, but at the same time, I have this going on. I need to go to this. I need to, I need to reach that goal, right? And when they'll get there, they'll have what you say. They'll say, "Well, you know, when I was in my twenties, and I was egoistical, and now I now understood." Do you think we have to go through this journey, or is there a way that we can have a glimpse of what you perceive, uh, what you learn through your experience? Um, I think both can work. It depends on the intent. Um, most of the people I work with are older, right? Um, they are CEOs. They are business owners. These are you know, very experienced people. So therefore, the work I'm talking about, when you're talking to someone who's run a business for 15 years or you know, multiple successes, that you know, two times success on the entrepreneurial exits, whatever, this makes sense. We can have some yeah. really, because we've had the battle scars, We've made the mistakes, we've chased the goals, we've fucked it up, we've, we've kind of, we've done that. So now it's like, oh yeah, now that makes sense now, Derry, right? Yeah. Whereas um, there'll be some, I know there's a 20 year old listening to this going, balls, right? I'm just going for my goals, so I'm just yeah, going yeah. Now, I, and I, I think if someone's tried to tell me this when I was in my 20s, if my ego's in the way, um, which it was in my 20s, I probably wouldn't have listened to myself, right? That's, mm. that's true. 
Um, is there another way? Yeah, I, I do believe. And I also think that um, sadly, a lot of when I'm on the stages, the people, I get people from the audiences when I'm to various messages, whether that's from the regrets message, the, the design message, the strategy message, it's all kind of the same stuff, which is live full, full, right? Live fully, build the right businesses. So uh, people go, yeah, yeah, I get it. I totally get it because, and then it's because this, because I lost my father, because I, I suffered this injury, um, because I had this life-threatening thing. We've all, it's kind of second life is what I call it. It's people that either looked death in the eye, experienced massive failure. We have to almost go through the furnace you had an experience like that you, 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 in, your, in your TED talk. Uh, you, you talk about such an experience, right? Did you come from that experience, this, uh, this way of going deep about life and death and regrets? Or did you have it before? No, I, I had to go through it myself, right? So I've looked death in the eye several, many times along the way because I've done some stupid things, right? Um, especially on the crazy adventures. It took the loss of my father, which is what I talk about on, on the TED talk. Um, mm -hmm. My father dying was my wake-up call. Um, and it's because he died with regret. That's why my message of no regrets come from. I saw, when you see, uh, and it's about everyone's got different relationships with their parents, right? But my father was a, a great man, a good father. And I thought he was happy. Um, I really did. He, had, uh, he seemed to have it all. He was a happy, really uh, funny, carefree man who, who seemed to have it all um, in life. And he died. And in his last days, he was telling me how much he regretted. So I'm like, shit, I'm not going out like that. And yeah. that was my moment, you know. I've had several since then, you know, on Everest was a big one, on Denali was a big one. Um, and more recently, um, I actually got hit by COVID early this year. So, uh -huh. um, so I, I had COVID very badly in wow. end of February, early March, before it became a real thing, right? It was still, everyone was pointing to China at that point, I think, right? Uh -huh. So... Uh, I mean, it took me out. I thought I was done. I was very close to death um, wow. with COVID. So now that was not my choice. I faced death several times, but that's because I put myself on Everest and I put myself on Denali. I made choices to be in incredibly dangerous environments of which I looked death in the eye. That was my fault. I could take responsibility for that one. Um, COVID was my choice. It's nobody's choice, right? But I, earlier on this year, um, I was massively affected. It's left me fully deaf. That's why you said about my headphones earlier. I don't wear headphones because I'm, I'm fully deaf. I've lost my hearing in fully on, on one side, which I'll never get back because that was the, the substance. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. It's now actually become a thing. Um, so it destroyed my entire inner year. So I can't um, balance or anything. So I'm learning to run again. Wow. So, no, I only tell you that is because that's another moment right? When you look death in the eye, and I was very, I think that was more profound earlier on this year, because that wasn't my choice makes, it makes life even more precious. Mm. Right? It makes, you know, I always say, if you could die, if you die tomorrow, what would you regret? Right? That's a, that's a very different question to what's your goals then, but see, you know, what should we go for? The goal setting and going for stuff is a chase. If you died tomorrow, what would you regret not doing is meaningful. Mm. And, and again, this year I was able to set back after recovery from COVID going, shit, all right, now I'm still here. Thank God, right? Um, I am still here. What do I now do? Because I've been blessed again. <laughs> I'm like a cat with nine lives, right? Mm -hmm. I'm blessed again to be here. Now, the good news is I had no regrets still. Now what do I do? So I've just had these moments. Um, 
And I think looking death in the eye is profound, right? It wakes you up, it makes you ask you different questions. And, and here's the clue. Whenever I've done this, or whenever I've looked death in the eye, the, the answers are always very simple and very profound. Um, and it always comes back to, and it's the regret study we did. We did a whole global study on regrets. Um, and it always comes back to the basics. Um, and the number one regret is always love. Hmm. And it's that, it's that, it's who you love. It's telling those people around you you love. It's, it's your love relationship. It's your children. Family as well, I guess. Right? And yet, where's your goals for that? Hmm. Yeah. So you go, uh, now, by the way, they can be, you can put amazing goals around. Um, uh, you can put amazing principles around love. You can do so much focus. And yet, if you look at the traditional goal setting world, it's based around getting stuff, fucking cars and fast stuff. And it's toys, right? Yeah. That's what I disagree with. I think the goal setting principle directed properly and meaningfully can work for pe some people, right? But I'm more interested in what really matters. That's what we're talking about here. And, and your mindset, we can also already see it's very different, um, maybe through your experience, because you lost part of your um, hearing, and yet you're grateful, uh, which is not the case with many people. They would, they would say, oh, COVID, I lost uh, this, and this happened to me, and now I... And yet you, I guess you were uh, mad. I guess you're not super happy about this, but you transformed it into something positive. So this is this is uh, also something. How do you think people can train that that mindset? It's it it takes time, right? Um, but it starts with uh, you've already nailed it, right? I think one of the primary feelings. Um, which I kind of try to work on every single day, and I have done for 20 years, by the way, and it was really difficult 20 years ago, um, is gratitude. Um, and we do, it doesn't take much to look around you and feel grateful. Um, I am in awe of this planet. Um, this, the world that we live on is just insanely beautiful, insanely complex. You just, you can look, just take a look out of the window, just look at what you're wearing or what you're eating and just think about what it took to get that on your plate or on the clothes on your back and, and just how magnificently this planet flows. Look at the sky, look at the sunset, yeah. look at the water, right? And it's that nature is incredible. This world is incredible. We are fucking it up. <laughs> by the way, which is part of my next legacy. I am, I am on a mission now to help transform that and i'll do I'm whatever to talk about that as well don't worry i, I want to talk uh, about that i think uh, david attenborough who's a, an amazing man and his recent documentary on netflix anyone who hasn't watched it watch it and do something about it what's uh, the name of the documentary um oh it's a life our life our planet okay life on planet, the life on this we planet. can find it with keywords david i guess netflix you can't miss okay. it so it, it, the The, the, this planet we live in is just insanely beautiful and we as human beings are destroying it for our own egoic, ridiculous needs. And that's the bit we've got to stop. And again, if you come back to what matters, right? If we can get back to what matters, it's about love. It's about connection, right? It's about health. It's, about, it's not about more toys and more this and more that. We're all this more and more is not serving us. So, you know, we've got to get back. I think... What's taught me, and I look, I was the first, uh, anyone that knew me in my 20s, they go, look at Derry, he was a real ass already, he was in his 20s, right? Probably still think I am now. Um, so, <laughs> you know, 
is that in my, because I was, I was all about more and ego and all the rest of it. And I went on the adventures for ego. Right? Let's go and conquer the highest mountains in the world. That's how it began, see? And then, guess, on my first outing, I got brought to my knees, brought to tears in the middle of the desert and nearly broke myself um, in front of Mother Nature. And then I realized uh, it, the Sahara Desert, it's just incredibly beautiful. You know, running six marathons across the Sahara, one of them's through the night, seeing the stars like you've never seen them before. The sky is just, you can see why our ancestors would have been so in awe of the night sky. If you're living in the city, you might not have ever seen it properly. Um, but the stars, the sky, the, the, the sunsets, the sunrises, it was just insane. Broke myself in the process of running across it. Um, and that was part of the majesty. I realized my ego needed to be shaken out of me um, because I was ego driven. Now, as I climbed more and more mountains, I gave uh, I gave myself to the mountains to an extent. I wasn't there to conquer it. If those mountains decided to let me up, um, then I would I would um, summit. Uh, in some cases, they didn't because close to the summit we were shut down. I respect Mother Nature because Mother Nature is a lot more powerful than we are. Thank you very much. No matter what we think as human beings. So, um, but no, I, I'm just so in awe and so grateful every single day, but And I think that is the most. How did I train that? daily um yeah i'm feeling pissy i just it's it's back to feeling right which is what we began this conversation with which is yeah. my job every single day is to just feel good right just feel good in myself now the moment i'm feeling shit or i'm feeling stressed or i'm feeling worried by the way they all come regularly i've got to pull myself back and just go and say well what's going on here so, and typically one of the one things that's going to shift me out of that is just starting to feel grateful for something being grateful for my beautiful partner, my children, the food I eat, being out in nature, the beautiful views. Um, just take a good, the fact that I can hear from one ear, right? And this is it. And don't get me wrong, I've had my moments um, because I didn't even know um, if it was ever coming back. And it's not now. The, you know, the ENT consultants confirmed that the inner ear is completely destroyed. Um, so I'm like, okay, um, that's fine. I am blessed. I've got one ear. Right, because COVID could have gone a completely different way for me. I'm asthmatic. So COVID could have left me really shit. And, uh, and there's a million people dead, right? So I'm still here. Yay. And now I'm bulletproof because I've had COVID. So I've got the immunities. So I'm good, right? So Because what other, I could be pissy and moany about having it. Or I could be grateful that I've had it. I got the immunity. I survived. Okay, I've lost my hearing. But I can hear out the other ear. And actually, it's quite helpful every now and again because then I could just ignore the person next to me if I don't want to. <laughs> so you well, just... yeah, hopefully, I'm face to you and not on the, on the wrong side. <laughs> Look, if you ask me a difficult question, I just go like that. Sorry, because I said it you. So it's... No, but I think you, you sum it up in, in one word. You said daily. And I think that's uh, that this is amazing because we don't hear that enough in the coaching world, uh, especially talking about gra uh, grateful. We hear kind of, but grateful and ego is something everyone has to work on daily it doesn't matter how much time but daily right and it's a conscious effort to do and i would go further in the, the we start at the top of the diamond um and anyone if you, anyone goes on my website dairy.live um, so tell, a, tell us a little bit what's the diamond live design tell us how it works a, a kind of in the, in the main lines it's a methodology, okay? And, and it's there on Dairy.Live. There's a whole little video series on that. So you can go yeah, and, it and kind of talk you through it. Um, I, uh, I created strategy on a page nearly 15 years ago now, which has been used 
quite brilliantly in the, in the scale-up world and the strategic world. I'm actually, although I'm founder, I don't run that company anymore. Ian Mitchell runs that CEO brilliantly and we've got great accredited partners you know, wow. around the world who is, uh, who is spreading that me methodology. So, um, and I'm you know, very blessed to impact the business world the way I have with that methodology. That is essentially simplifying the complex. That, that I guess is my gift. If I want to call it anything, like the gift that I was given was my ability to simplify the complex and make it understandable, right? And that's what I did in the business world. Now, whilst I was doing that in the business world, I was also doing it in my personal world because you think a business is complex, which it is. Life is a little bit more complex and it's got more moving parts actually. So I've been working off a methodology for 15 years and personally, and it evolved. And it was, I didn't set out to create a methodology. I set out to be able to map my life, orchestrate my life to ensure that I lived the best life I could be in all areas. Mm. That's how it began. And it evolved. It wasn't always a diamond. Um, it just happened that I was on the wall. I always had big vision boards, up, but my vision boards were more action boards. It wasn't just pictures on a wall. So I don't agree with vision boards. Pictures on a wall is part of it. But actually, what are you going to do and what's the profound steps and how are you going to make that come arrive, right? So it became, and I just remember looking at the wall once and, and Andrea Pennington, who's partnered with me on this project, who's an amazing lady in the media. Um, so Andrea looked at this on my wall and she went, what's that? And I said, well, that's just how I architect my life. And she, was, she went through it and she went, that's amazing. You've got to bring that to the world. And I'm like, no, no, no I'm right, thanks. I'm Is busy Andrea over Pennington? And Andrea Pennington, she yeah, kind yeah, of- Yeah, you uh, teamed up on the Diamond Life Design thing, right? So, um, so she's a dear friend of mine and she, because she's yeah. we co-authored uh, it. So we've done a whole um, video series, which is going out live soon around it. Nice. Um, it, was, it was just, and also we're different, um, very, me and her, male and female, uh, black and white, European mm. and American. We've got very different views on life. She's Buddhist, um, I'm spiritual mm. in a way. So it enabled us to not just have, it's not Derry's opinion, it's a methodology. Nice. It's just a structure and a framework, but it's a structure framework to, to literally orchestrate all of life and all of life's rhythms, right? Now, this is the important bit to answer your question, Butsy, which is, um, you talked about the day. So the, the top part of the diamond is bringing it, the big stuff, which is, What's the feelings we ultimately seek? We begin with feeling, we end with feeling. We then bring it through the ultimate roles in life and what matters, right? And then it's into the big vision, the big objectives, no goals. And then we bring it into the year to go, okay, what are the things that matters, the, the big stuff this year for me across all areas of life that matter? And you start to see that feels a bit like the wheel of life and stuff. I just, the wheel of life didn't work for me. It was very binary. Then we bring it into the real action. There's, there's a whole band in the middle. I won't go into that because it's a bit more complex. But then we literally bring it into the, the quarter, the month, the week, the day. Because actually, it's all very well. We all sit here with these big aspirations, these goals. We don't join the dots up yeah. to the day. You've got to bring it back to the day. And I go further than that because the final pinnacle of the diamond isn't the day. It's the moment. Mm. And... So uh, is my, is, you know, the, the thing that you, you're picking up on there, Derek, it's actually about doing this every day, isn't it? No, it's not. It's about doing this every moment. Mm. And that's mastery, which is never done, by the way, unless you are, there's a few people. Something I think, you tend to. Yeah, exactly. It's something that every single day, now, if you are sitting there once, and this is what affirmations and stuff come in play, right? Which I'm like, okay. Um, 
part of it again. But if you sit there once a day, right, and decide to be grateful once a day, that's bloody good progress, but it's mm. certainly not mastery. Yeah. It, the, the trick is, is every single moment you should be checking in with your feelings. You're feeling all the time. You know, your feelings, it's people listening to this and flitted their feelings. Um, some people have got pissed off with something I've said um, 10 minutes ago and then suddenly joyfully delightful again. It, people are moments changing. Now, it's that's our beacon, right? For me, it's the feelings of, is what I think. And I think males are more, more guilty of this mm. um, than female. I think females are a lot more connected. This is why we need more female leaders on this planet yeah. um, because they're more connected to their feelings and understanding. It's the men, we've kind of, buttoned away our feelings. In fact, we were told to when we were kids not to feel. I certainly was. So therefore, we've overdeveloped our thinking. This is when I do um, extreme performance work. So I work with CEOs and leaders on extreme performance. It's not about the physical. A lot of people think about the, the Ironman. Um, so I've done the Ironman challenge as well. And all of these physical endurance events, they all see the physical, especially the males, they can see the physical piece and the mental piece. I think everyone recognizes the mental toughness needed to do this stuff. Yeah. Actually, there's an emotional toughness that's needed to do this stuff. Okay. It's this feelings bit, I think, that we've dodged the most. I certainly did. It was, it was my biggest um, downfall along the years is that I didn't pay enough attention to the feeling. I was trying to overthink everything and think my way. I thought I could think my way out of everything. Mm. You know, think you're rich, think that, you know, all of the personal development world, a lot of it's been built off thinking which we need, right? We need to control this bias. Yeah, does, of course. Yeah. But actually, I don't think enough attention has been given to the emotional side. Um, well, how would you define emotional toughness? In, in your words, in, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Well, how would you um, say you're emotionally tough? Well, let's just say, let's use a different word that emotionally aware. Mm, okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm, if you're emotion, emotionally, I think, yeah, probably emotional toughness probably doesn't resonate. Um, I, I'll take that one back. Because uh, okay, it is the ability that when I'm feeling pissy, so the emotional toughness to me is when I'm sitting there and suddenly I'm, I'm feeling doubt, right? You want to get to somewhere. Um, I, I want to be an Ironman. And I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, I, I can't ride that bike. I just can't do it. I hadn't been ridden a bike since I was a kid, right? Or I've just done a 100-mile bike ride and I'm exhausted. How am I supposed to do it? When I'm feeling doubt, now that's partly thought, but a lot of it's emotion, right? Mm -hmm. When I am halfway up the mountain and then the blizzards are coming in and you think you're going to die, it's this fear is the emotion. It's not the thought. So actually, it's being able to understand the vast array of emotions that we've been blessed and given with both negative and positive. And when you're sliding into the wrong side of the spectrum of that, and you're into anger or frustration or doubt or whatever, you've got to be able to know where you are, be incredibly aware of where you are and get yourself back out of that quickly. Yeah, That's what I call emotional toughness or emotional resilience, which is you just got to be able to turn. And we are, and the question is, how much of your time are you in the negative stuff? And how much of the time are you in the positive stuff? Mm. And so many of us, you know, in the personal development world, it's all focused on positive psychology. That's, that's the thinking bit. It's yeah. the emotional bit that I think is, is the piece. Uh, Tony Robbins does this brilliantly. I remember I've spent time with Tony Yogi 20 years ago. Um, I think he's, uh, he's one of the great masters that's gone deep into the emotional aspects. Uh, and one of the few teachers that have, I think. And you, it's um, what I, I thought was super interesting related to that also 
in your in your TED talk, you um, you talk about fear and you have the awareness to say it's ego ego based fear. So it's not any fear. It's not just you're aware of one feeling. Oh, I'm afraid. But you also have the awareness, if we can say in those words, to know where it comes from. So what what would you call? What, how would you define ego based fear? You talked a little bit about ego about uh, emotional awareness. How would you define that? So it's a great question. The reason I did the TED talk, we rewind, is I did this. I've been talking on the stages about regret, right, for 15 years because of the the episode that happened with my father, right? Yeah. Um, I've been challenged on that a lot, by the way, uh, along the way, and I'm happy, happily talk about that to anyone because a lot of people think it's negative or no regrets. You should have a positive spin on it, and I disagree. I think it's a profound statement that works for me and works for a lot of people, actually. What is the criticism? I didn't understand. How, how, what do people tell you? We should live a life of no regrets, right? And okay. know, what would you regret in life? A lot of the positive psychologists have actually have had a number of criticisms where they're like, no, 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 we should never focus on the negative. You should only okay, ever... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't agree either. Yeah, I yeah. say bollocks to that. That's what I yeah, said. Yeah. I continue to say, right? Yeah. Um, so, because I'm like, that's nice. If that works for you, go. It doesn't work for me. Actually, the driver, because some of us are motivated towards pain and some of us are motivated towards pleasure. Right? I, that pain bit gives me the kick in the ass I need to make sure I do the right things. Right. So um, when we did the when I started teaching this no regrets piece and, and also building businesses and no regrets, that's very profound work that we do in the strategy world. Um, what became clear was that there was the regrets. There was quite similar regrets going on. That's when we did the global study right, of what are the six top regrets in life. Again, that's on Derry.Live, so you feel free to go there. And the number one is love. I've kind of spoiled the- We will the, share um, your website at the end. On post-production, yeah, I'll put everything. Any content there for you. Um, but what was clear is actually what stopped people in those regrets, right? And I won't spoil the other five for you, but what is it that if you're regretting something, what's stopping you doing that? Well, why do you regret it? Why haven't you done it? And the biggest blocker for most of the five socks regrets was fear. So that's that's why when I was asked to do the TED talk, because I literally got I got asked to to close out the, the keynote convention in Edinburgh. Um, and they said, Derek, choose your topic, you can do anything. And I just thought, cool, let's just play. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was, you know, I didn't want to do strategy or anything. I went, let's just do fear. Um, because that's the blocker. Hence why I chose that title. Um, now, fear, as you've already alluded to, again, it's an emotion. It's not a, you don't think your way out of fear. Good luck with that. It's, yeah. it's an emotional trigger that happens so fast you can't control it most of the time, right? Now, when I say ego-based fear, it's actually, we did some research around this, so you can, you can literally Google that, right? Um, because fear, and this is why I use the title F star, 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 the fear, it's not real anyway, because fear is not something we are born with. In fact, there's debate over this, but it says as a baby, you know, I've got a, a little baby boy now again, I've got four kids. So when you're a baby, they're fearless. Like you, you they just run around the place. Like he's, a, he's got his adventurous genes from his daddy. He's trying climbing over everything. He's, like, he's chaos, right? The only thing he's he, there's a slight fear of is falling or loud noises. That's allegedly the only fears we are born with, right? Okay. So you don't see babies scared of everything. You see them little adventurers going after everything. So therefore, where does fear come from? We learn fear 
and that's part of the egoic state. So if you if you understand the ego, um, I, I'm fascinated by the egoic mind. So a lot of people use this word ego very wrongly. Ego is not just some bloke or over there who's a complete knob and no one likes him, right? Because he's full of himself. That's not ego. That's just, a, that's just a label that's been put on. The ego from Freud or whoever else you want to look at the ego from, it's our construction of the world. That's the, we've all got an ego. We don't get rid of it. You know, someone says, I haven't got an ego. Well, you don't, you don't exist then, right? So we've all got one and we've all constructed it. And the job of the ego is to keep that construction intact. So whatever model of the world we've built, the ego will at all consequences try to protect that, which is why it's right and wrong and all this fighting is going on in the world. It's, it's an egoic world yeah. um, on many levels. And that's part of the brutality of what's going on out there. It's driven by ego, right? Mm. Or a constructed ego. So therefore, where's fear come from? Fear is constructed. Because we don't all have the same fears. If fear was an inbuilt system in humankind, we would all fear the same things, which we don't. There's insane fears. You know, people fear, fear of going outside and fear of spiders and fear of this and fear of that. Yeah. So it's constructed. And actually, when you then look back deeper into the fear theories, is this is the, where the egoic fears have come from. There's a whole theories around egoic fears, not mine. Uh, that's, that's, that's written and documented egoic theories, um, saying that the, what is fear? Fear is it's fear of failure. Um, fear of uh, rejection. So there's, you've got these primary driving fears. That's, I've got that in my TED talk, by the way. So if, and you go watch the TED talk and you see the, the main egoic fears listed there. But that's our primary drivers and those are the ones that are messing most people up, right? A big one uh, for entrepreneurs, uh, et cetera, is the fear of rejection, right? Fear of failure. Equally, and I didn't understand this one fully, but it really is out there, fear of success. Fear of success. Yeah, it's a, this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. We can, we, I think we could debate on it for uh, all, all day on that one. It's, it's a tricky one. Some, yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it's often disguised, the, the fear. And any, I know I've noticed any fears, they are disguised in something else. And people don't necessarily not all every, everyone but most people don't take the time to see what's behind the costume right and oftentimes when we feel something and or when we say something or we find an excuse that's the typical thing we find excuses and what's behind this excuse oh it's a fear it's a fear that comes from this from failure from everything you said so it's yeah. it's kind of tricky it's not like you sad you know you're sad right i mean there are nuances of course but Fear sometimes it's a little bit tricky. People don't want to see it. Well, a lot of it, it's it's unconscious, right? This yeah. is the point of fear because it's an emotional base. It's un, it's unconscious. So back to we think we can solve everything with our minds. Not really. Mm. This is how do you solve an emotional trigger which is subconscious and you don't even know it's there, right? That takes some real profound personal work uh, and consistent personal work. You know, again, people go to a course on a weekend. And then they, you know, transformational course and they're done. And they think that they've been transformed. No, no, no. It's, transformation happens on a daily momentary basis, which is consistent. Consistency is the key to it. Um, so if you don't ask, and most people are not, the reason I'm bringing these topics up is for most people, this is not conscious, right? 
So you're 100% right. But see, most people go, I, I don't have any fear, fear of failure. Well, you don't consciously have it. Then, But why are you sabotaging yourself over that? And why aren't you doing that? And what's those excuses? And this is where coaching, you know, I'm actually not a coach. Um, I sit on boards and I mentor companies and I'm a consultant more than I am. I do elements of coaching in my work, but I'm not really a coach. Yeah, it's a broad term, I said, but it's, uh, it's a very... It, yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of people use that word. And I, I only say it because I'm, coaching is a, is a methodology and a questioning technique, yeah. which I massively favor of. And this, by coaching, helps this work. I'm just being clear. Don't come to me for coaching, right? Because don't do it. Um, but for those who want to go deeper on this work, this is where coaches are brilliant. Um, we've got a whole band of coaches who work with globally. They're, they're for, for execs and high-level execs, and they're amazing. Because this work, you cannot, it's very hard for you to recognize this stuff on yourself. Yeah. This is where coaching comes in, right? Yeah. Equally, sometimes yeah. we need a more profound moment or, or a, a transformational moment in life those can be triggered in some of the amazing events. You know, Tony Robbins is great at transforming and triggering um, transformational moments in events. Um, so this can be done in different ways, but this is deep thinking here. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Um, yeah. But don't, equally, don't bullshit me. This is why I'm saying people go, oh, do you want to do something? What's stopping you? Because it's what's stopping you is the big question. And a lot of the time it's fear, but it's, you're not aware of it. Yeah. It's so deep. And it's so rooted sometimes in childhood anchors or whatever that you wouldn't even know it's there. Yeah. I'll, I'll it, shut up on that now. I could go all day long on, on the yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. It's, it's, it's also... Um, it seems to me that... So t tell us a little bit about strategy on the page because it seems to me that you became uh, famous with that, right? That's what you did at the beginning. Uh, that's what uh, from I mean at the beginning. Um, that's uh, you you did before the diamond life design, and now you focus more on the diamond life design. Um, and now it seems like you almost moved on from there, kind of like from from what you were saying in this podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about? just a few words what is strategy on the page you wrote a book about this and people can find it we'll put it on, on the bottom as well and how did you evolve through that from this thinking and emotional um dynamic so for me life and business is an evolution all right so um although strategy on the page is is where i began and i, and I still have my hand in it uh, i practice what i preach in business which is i build a business And then I get find better people than me to run that business. So I'm not running the business, right? Okay. Otherwise, you just trap yourself in the very thing that was supposed to free you. That's a big part of what I preach with strategy. Mm -hmm. So Ian Mitchell and the team run BGI brilliantly. And I'm still involved. Um, I keep my hand in. Very, very little. They do a better job than I do. Thank you very much. Um, and now again, Diamond Life Design, that's been built. Uh, that'll be launched more properly in the next in the coming months. There's a bigger suite because we're all about productivity, performance, and design under the whole dairy brand now. And, and Nikki Owen runs that. So it's still going. So it's not that those businesses, and it's important, it's not like I've done that because a lot of entrepreneurs just try something and then and just yeah, move on and do the next one. I, I build and then I, and, and I make sure it's maintained and someone's running it and then I do the next one. So actually I'm doing all of them. Okay. Well, I'm not actually. I oversee all of them and I'm involved in all of them without actually running any of them, right? Because that's, I think, what business should be. I can't impact millions of people if I'm running the businesses. I just know it's not the way I can impact. Um, but now I'm in Raglan Country Estate, which is um, the new venture, which actually pulls from all the others in a way. And I wanted to be more impactful within um, the, with nature. 
bringing people back to nature. I was running my own retreats. My, I run strategic retreats. We run transformational retreats. Uh, I've been part of the European transformational movement for over a decade. Um, and we've always really struggled to find venues, right? To run proper transformational movements. So, so if you want to bring people away and get them really connected to nature and, and transform them through whether it's your coaching processes or, or whether that's business exec leadership programs, I've typically you do it out of a hotel room and it's compromised. Mm. So um, I decided to change that. Um, and I got so pissed in there, I went, right, I'm gonna do it myself then. So we've bought 127 acres of land in the Welsh borders. We yeah, are creating that's amazing. Beautiful conference facility for a very high-end event. So this is only for like 20 to 25 people, very exclusive, beautiful settings, wow. eco-friendly, eco-units in the grounds. We're rewilding everything, we're planting, we're farming. So it's back to this planet again, which is we're all smashing businesses from the house. I, I've got a much more of an eco-sense to I don't will never help any business that's having a destruction part on this planet. We should be leaving this planet better. Um, we should be leaving nature better. And um, so Raglan's the part of the, the next legacy project for me. Uh, but we'll equally, we'll run retreats from Diamond Life in there. We'll run retreats from Strategy in the Page in there. So I'm actually building my own retreat center. That's what I'm doing um, for the world. So it all joins up. There's method to it all. Uh, it just my purpose evolves, you know, and this is the point is what matters. Um, what, what's connected as you evolve and grow, you, you, you theoretically will evolve and grow in what matters to you. Um, and to me now, I want to be able to impact um, thousands upon thousands of acreage on this planet to rewild it and, and bring it back to what it should be and leave this planet a little bit better place for the parts of it that I'm able to touch um, than it is now. And I certainly don't want to ever be the business guy that came along and made shitloads of money and destroyed part of the planet and its mm. resources as a result of being here. That I would die with regret on. And, and um, I hope any business leader that's doing that is watching us and trying to think differently because that's what's destroying the planet for us at the moment. So I really want to go further with your retreat thing. Just I want to close that chapter on uh, a strategy on the page and, and also about entrepreneurs, because I think it would be interesting for people who are watching us that maybe if you have a couple of advice for them based on everything, and it's not only strategy and make money and make profit, you're going to say different things, I guess. But if you had, let's say, three main advice to give to an entrepreneur, let's say a young entrepreneur, not necessarily... A, a guy who already built his company, someone who wants to launch his business or just started, and you would have three main advice to give him. What would you say? Um, I'll take directly from strategy on a page as a methodology. Yeah. So then anybody that wants to go away, um, you'll see the three components. That There's about four, there's six to nine core components on the page. I'll give you the three that matter, right, for the startup. This they, uh, wait, this they can find on your book, in your book, right? The book, if you go to the BGI website, it's there. So, you know, this, okay. this is a common methodology. I just leave you hanging. Um, it's, I, I hate it when people just leave you hanging with three completely different <laughs> yeah. executes, right? Um, right? You'll see the execution coming in a minute. The first thing is um, build a business on, of, on purpose. Um, that's a huge part. It's always been a big part of what I've done. I've been, I've been saying this for 15 years and I was quite 
If you go back 15 years, I was quite punchy and revolutionary at the time, saying you, you should only build businesses on purpose and you should go deep on that purpose and truly understand what it is. Uh, and you should be proud of the business that you're building and you should be passionate about the business you're building. And I will, I've stuck by that message for 15 years and I've never believed in it more than I believe in it now. Because um, if you're going to spend the time and the energy and you're going to throw your heart and soul into something, why? and you're doing that just for money, I just think you've just thrown your life away. Now, in the early days, you may chase the money. That's fine in the 20s. Sometimes we do that. Just try to wake up earlier than I did. Um, try to get that message earlier. And actually, you can, if you do build a great business, one that you're proud of, one that you're passionate of, that's your competitive weapon. So if you want to look at it like that way, just use it as a competitive weapon because the passion will get you through the dark days. Uh, the purpose will help you compete against any competitors that don't give a shit. So, you know, purpose isn't some fluffy um, thing to do. We've actually got metrics around this in BGI. We've got proof of just how much profit, how profitable purpose-based companies are, just how magnificent purpose-based companies are. Uh, and it's also where the talent pool will be in the future. And, and, and that's been trending for 15 years on my watch. So purpose and, and passion within purpose, I think is the fundamental part of any well-lived business. Remember, one of my messages, build a business of no regrets. That's a purposeful business, right? The, the second thing then is lock the strategy down. So it's all very well having purpose and vision and values and all the cool cultural stuff, which is critical. And I won't go there because you've only asked me to name three, right? So I'll, I'll take purpose there if I'm only allowed three. Um, the next thing is execution because a lot of people have got ideas and they're flying and entrepreneurs are full of ideas. You must execute, otherwise you've got nothing. So we find we've got a scorecard on the BGI website um, where we track this. We literally can track um, the, just how confident you are in your business and how certain you are in your business. Um, and therefore we've got um, the rankings of this over thousands of businesses. And the thing that comes out weakest on most entrepreneurs consistently is execution. So we have found that one of the biggest faults within um, strategy is the execution of strategy. Very few people who have decided to set up a business or, or you know, in the process of setting a business have got any lack of thought. They, they think they can think, strategic thinking isn't the problem. Thinking and you know, thinking what you need to do and almost planning what you need to do is, is still quite, um, quite common. People can plan. It's strategic execution that's missing, okay. right? So execute is key. And then the third bit then is measure. All of these are components of strategy on a page because then a lot of people are just executing um, and executing themselves like fools because they don't know if it's working. We must measure. Every strategy that's worth executing should be measured like any scorecard, like any sport. You need to measure to see where you're at. Um, and a lot of people I think are, are killing themselves in businesses that don't work. Um, I don't see that much of it now because I only, uh, I'm very blessed that I get, I work on amazing, I always sit on about 12 boards, um, not on my own of other companies. So I get to see amazing companies, but typically by the time those companies to me, they, they, I only get the kind of the more complex ones and the cool ones that stretch me a little bit, uh, otherwise I get bored. Um, so I don't see what I used to see, but what I used to see when I used to see a lot more smaller businesses was uh, sadly, that a number of them just didn't work and they would never work. And the poor entrepreneur was just bashing themselves. And it's like, you're not reading the numbers because if you read the numbers, you'll see this company can never work. Hmm. The scoreboard tells you, the profit and loss and the balance sheet tells you that you've never worked and you can't work. 
and you can't even work on scale. Uh, and that's the sad thing. And I think um, the measurement, uh, again, from us, the proof, the, the biggest fault in all of the measurements when we're collecting scorecards is measurement. People cannot, are not measuring the right things, don't understand measurement, uh, and there's certainly a lack of understanding around profit and loss, cash flow, balance sheets. Like, yeah. if you're running a business, you need to know that shit, right? Yeah. We just really do. And equally, you should be able to measure your success. And also, if it's not working, you need to change it fast. Um, well, actually, no, there's, there's two things to that. I, I want to I close it up because you've asked me for three things. There's two <laughs> that coin. Um, if it's not working, you need to change it, but you need to know it's not working. I have the metrics to prove it's not working. Sadly, what's happening, and I had this conversation with one of the, a really big angel. He's one of the biggest angels in Singapore. We had this conversation literally months ago. And, and what he's seeing is in the younger entrepreneurs is they're actually changing too fast without measurement. So mm. people are just like doing stuff and going, uh, and it's there, there's some words for it in the entrepreneurial world now. It's like called a pivot, right? Mm. Um, since coronavirus, it's like it's all pivots. It's like there's a time and a place for a pivot, but actually yeah. a lot of it is like you're doing something. You actually don't even know if it works. You've got no metrics to prove if it works, but you know what? Balls to it. I don't think it's working, so I'm going to try something else. That's not strategic pivot. That's just flighty. Yeah. Right. So we've got to be careful. You want to change quickly based on data and metrics rather than just flightily just jumping from one to another, which is what entrepreneurs are at risk of. So that's my three. You asked for three. It's hard to borrow business down in three, really, but I, they're really um, thought through. We can feel the experience through it and I can definitely uh, recognize myself. And I think all entrepreneurs can recognize themselves in different of, of those categories. Um, I think measuring especially, and I, I'm not surprised that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have a difficulty with it because it's, it's also facing truth, you know? It's yeah. like, let's look at the numbers and you don't want to do it. Maybe sometimes you don't know how to do it. I, I, like you say, understanding cash flow, profit and loss and, and everything. But I'm sure that people could learn it pretty easily, you know? If they put them, if they learn it, they go through a program. There's so many things you can learn for free on the internet now. In a few days, they wouldn't know what it is. They wouldn't do it. So they, they can say, I don't know how to do it because it's hard to face the truth. Um, yeah. I certainly did a lot in the past. Now I'm getting better at it, but I, I totally recognize myself in that. Yeah. So it's, I, uh, I did a whole keynote on this. It's one of the keynotes I do. Numbers don't lie. Oh. That's um, a big, and I got a whole lot of data behind this because numbers don't lie. And this is why strategy on a page, a third of the page is numbers because show me the numbers. Don't tell me the strategy because I don't believe you. <laughs> numbers next to the strategy, which is what strategy on a page is. It's a, it's a tracking mechanism, right? Mm. Um, show me the strategy of what you say you executed. Now show me the numbers to prove that you have. They don't lie. And yet you could bullshit yourself all day long on strategic execution, right? Uh, and that's and actually that's how the page has evolved. You'll see, um, keep in touch with us from BGI Strategy, any of those running businesses out there, um, because we're about to launch the tech platform because we've recognized strategy on a page as the methodology. The biggest 
uh, weakness in businesses was the numbers. So we've actually pulled a proper API dashboard right into the page. So it automatically populates. You can't even have an excuse not to do it because now we can actually take those numbers from zero um, CRM systems. We can literally API feed those di directly into the page. So there's no bullshitty excuses anymore because we can go get the numbers for you because so many people, they weren't doing the page. Well, they were doing the page, all the bits they liked to do on the page, but they didn't do the numbers. <laughs> okay. so, uh, so we've now, we've got a whole automated tech platform coming out to wow. solve the problem for the business community. So watch this space. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, we will certainly put the links uh, in the description and in the videos. And so now... What's next? Next is um, your uh, your legacy. You talked about it in this way. It, it's, I love that you use that word and uh, it's a legacy and it's a new place where you're gonna have, uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna create the opportunity to, well, uh, put your diamond life design forward and help people through that and help them through their transformational adventures and also the uh, BGI and strategy on the page. But you also talked about, and we talked quickly about last time, uh, a space for kids as well. Um, so tell us about this place. It sounds amazing. We, we talked about it last time. I want people to know about it. Um, does it have a name, first of all? Not yet? Um, so it's, it's in its, well, we've opened actually a couple of weeks ago. So it's called Raglan Country okay. Estate. So um, we have we have carved off 127 acres of land um, with another 100 coming, hopefully. So we'll be we'll be a good few hundred acre site. Uh, we're rewilding a lot of that site. You know, we are like seven lakes and there's mountains and woodland. And we're rewilding a lot that's already there. We're putting in eco, beautiful high end eco cabins, um, but equally back to play. Right. It's about bringing people back to nature. That, that's what we're all about. Um, that's what I'm about. It's what I believe in. I have this, I have my house in the country. Uh, I always have, I bring my kids up in the country because I want them to you know, have their feet in the grass and swim in the lakes and, and feel what nature's all about. So my kids are blessed that they've had that. And I recognize a lot of kids um, aren't. They don't have that if they're living in the city. So we want to give a, a place for people. Um, and in the off season, it's there for retreats, right? Because whenever I run retreats, I don't want to run retreats in the summer holidays. So. You know, we run all the businessy transformational stuff you know, in the off seasons, but then during the summer holidays and Easter holidays, it's, it's, a, it's a family place, right? So it's for families to come and play and we're putting in, um, we're building out some amazing stuff. It's getting kids back to play, right? Um, that's the irony. It's they're all on their phones and everyone's getting pissy about kids being on their phones. It's like, well, let's give them something different to do in order to get them off the phones. You've got to give them a good reason to get off them. Right? So, um, uh, we are putting, uh, hopefully putting a bit of augmented reality around the site so they can actually be on their phones and in nature, um, but also putting in a, a, obstacle courses and zip wires and, and lake climbing wow. and a commando course going in. So we're just, just putting in epic adventures. Um, we're working with uh, your good friend, who I am on this call, is David Brower. So big yes. shout out to David. David's working on some sensorial stuff for us to bring the senses alive nice. um, across the site. Just a um, note on that. We will have David Brower on the podcast. We will have him so he can talk about the connection. And then, yeah. so, um, yeah, because uh, it's, uh, it's um, 
David Brower introduced me to Derry. Derry talked at SCD, which is the event that uh, David Brower used to organize, Sensorial Experience Day. And I used to do some magical stuff there as well. Um, so yeah, we, he will be on the podcast. So yeah, it's great that he's going to do some some things. You, you talked about connection like last time about this place. Um, yeah. Connecting to you, to others, to nature, right? Absolutely. And that's the essence of everything we're about is connection, right? Um, back to what matters, right? You know, what matters in life. And the more and more I evolve, the more I realize what matters truly is connection. Um, it's the biggest regret that everyone has. So I wanted to create a space mm -hmm. that facilitates that. So, and what, you know, so we are literally creating the space to enable and facilitate connection. Whether then you want to come away and just, you know, with the, sit in one of those eco units and just be alone and experience nature in this, you know, full glass front is just you sitting there in nature and you want to reconnect with yourself. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you want to reconnect with your family in a different way, um, you want to connect with your friends, um, you know, we're bringing, and this is where I think in bringing transformational uh, retreats together where you've got a group of people who who are on a transformational journey together you know deep coaching over three day four day periods or whatever we're going to give them we're giving them the the place to really do that you know but we're putting in big fire pits so you can sit outside properly it's just like it's it's connection like humans used to connect you used to sit around the campfire and connect right so let's bring it all back um so so yeah so we it's it's going to be an epic adventure for the next uh ever forever for me i think this is the first site um we're already open we'll open properly in the spring for the big retreats and um but i've got an eye on doing this all over the world so uh i truly believe that connections should happen everywhere right it's not also uh, covid's done what it's done right um but it's also done a lot of good and i think everyone's getting pissy about covid again we've got to look at the positivity side of it which is i know it's bulls up a load of airlines etc but you know you, we needed to travel less right as a species we're destroying the planet we needed to travel less so i would be a hypocrite then if i just said everyone should fly to the uk to experience connection at the deeper level so okay let's not do that let's get these centers replicated around the world so let's get one in France, let's get one in Germany, let's get one in Italy. So then you don't have to travel to another country, you can all do them in your own country. So that's that's the grand vision. I think these centers should be everywhere. Um, and we're, we're putting a big high performance center as part of it. So if people are coming to connect, let's get your bloods done, let's get your microbiome done, let's just, let's get you tuned up. So we have a proper look at you to make sure that no matter what you want to do to really transform the world, that you're not actually screwing your body up whilst you're doing it as well. So we're, we're putting those facilities in place to have a proper transformational experience. I love that you see so big. It's like, let's do it in every country in the world. It's, um, I love it. It's, uh, and you, you are, you are working, you talk. So it's, it's great. You are doing things with purpose. I really respect that. It's not the case with many people and I've seen a lot of people. So I, I, I really respect that. And, and, um, you're also, uh, you're also a dad. You said you had four kids, right? Hold the day. That takes a lot of my time. Yeah, um, I guess. Of course. Uh, and I get that's a big part of my legacy, right? Is that? Yeah, that's um, why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. looking at me now. My eldest, um, my eldest daughter is 12, 13 soon. Um, and we're having very adult conversations. And now she's looking at what work I do. Um, and she's seeing what I'm doing at Raglan and she's like, daddy, you know, what can we do about the planet? What can we do? They are, they care. You know, the next generation, I can save this planet. Yes. Yeah. Um, and my job is to facilitate part of that for them. And we don't, so we don't bolt it up before they even get a chance. 
So, you know, my kids are looking at me and I don't want them to look at their dad um, in 20 years time and go, daddy, you just did business stuff and you just destroyed the planet and you just raped the, uh, the infrastructure and the resources just to make money. That's not the parent I want to be viewed as. They are looking at me as daddy's buying um, you know, land on, in massive tranches to rewild it, bring eco back, give people jobs, give people opportunities, create something magnificent, bringing people back to play. And I'm, talk, I'm talking to my kids all the time about it. I'm saying, well, what do we want to do next? So they're, they're part of the journey. They're designing the, the obstacle courses. So it's like, what do you want to do? My, my teenager wants a hangout zone, right? She just wants this cool hangout zone. We're going to dig a big pit and put loads of cushions in it. And they want the little campfire. Yeah. So teenagers can hang out. I'm like, cool, let's build it. Um, so that's facilitating connection. But they're facilitating the connection. I'm saying, what do you want? So uh, it's beautiful to have my kids growing up and, and be participating in this. And hopefully they can look at their dad and say, my dad built something cool. My dad was caring about what he did. And that's, that's what I want to be remembered for, you know, by my kids. Um, and I think this is it. We all, uh, and I certainly, I was a real selfish bastard when I was in my twenties and in my early thirties. And I thankfully have taken time to wake up and, and look death in the eye a few times to go, that's not how I want to be remembered. And what do you think? Uh, and then I, um, I'm going to let you go after that because I know you're busy and you have a busy schedule. I, I just want to finish up with a couple of things talking about kids and the future and your legacy and all that. And you said it's about what matters. What do you think matters the most uh, for our kids, for the new generation, for kids um, K-12 age? Um And what do you think is not taught at school and what should be taught at school or should be taught in some ways? Oof, that's a big question. Um, I, do you know what? My instant reaction was back to the word we're using, which is connection. Um, I don't think it's a generational thing. Uh, and I think we are so busy boxing people into generational biases. You know, the 70-year-olds need this and the and the millennials this and the X uh, things needed this and the Y, and then you got this whole new breed coming through. What do they need, right? Mm -hmm. I think we're all, uh, again, we're all boxed into you're American and you're this and you're that. I think we need to stop all of that. Um, stop all the boxes, stop all the labels. We are all human beings habiting on this planet together. And the sooner we can all recognize that and, and live in harmony on this beautiful place that we call Earth together, the better. And what do we all need? What is the common thing across all of us? What is the common regret across all of the studies? It's love and connection, right? I don't think our kids are any different to the, my grandma. That the connection piece has been the consistency. Now, we are saying, now, I think we were more connected when I was a kid than my kids are now, even though we're supposedly the most connected society. Well, do, Does being, is this really connected? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure about that, actually. So I, so I think, and what are they not taught in school? We're not taught connection and love, are we, in school? It's not part of the curriculum. Um, so where are they going to get it from? And how do they learn to actually talk, not through WhatsApp, but to each other? Um, mm. And that's, thankfully, my kids, are, I'm really proud of my kids. They're, they're beautiful girls. I've got three girls and a little boy, which is who I've got to go and get in a little minute. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm proud of them because they've been, we brought them up, I think, incredibly well. Um, and they're really communicative and they're chatty and they're going to talk to people. Uh, but I don't see that all the time um, and by a lot of st st stretches of imagination. And, 
and the more isolated, and I don't think COVID's helping that. That's why I think connection now is even more important than ever. And I think, I'm hoping COVID's woken a lot of people up to really appreciate connection. And I think it's what a lot of people are yearning. Um, and especially those who are isolated, who are on their own, who, who took for granted some relationships or took for granted connections was there and it's suddenly not. Um, but then there is just communication and there's connection. And what does connection mean at a deep level? Like really connected, connected to nature, connected to yourself, connected to others. So I, I think that's, and this is why I've, you know, building Raglan off that entire concept of connection. Because I, I just think it's something that I'm constantly working on. Um, I think it's something my kids, if my kids can get that bit right, I think everything else will flow for them. So, um, and I think we, we all need it, don't we? Isn't that, isn't that the thread that pulls us all together? We'll leave it that as an open question. I think we cannot go better than that. I think you sum, you sum it up and, and it's great. Um, um, I can't wait to discover that place. I don't think I'm going to wait that it comes to Paris. We'll see. Maybe I take a, a boat to go to uh, England to, to see it. Anyways, um, you know what? Uh, where can we find you before you, you go pick up your son? Where can we find you? Uh, wh what can we see? We're going to put all the links. I think it's just start with dairy.live. Um, that's my personal website. You'll see there's a lot of the video content up there. That's why I talk about a lot of the topics. Yeah, that's amazing videos, yeah. Next few, in the next few months, that'll evolve more. Um, you'll see a whole new series coming out around productivity and high performance. So there's, um, that will constantly, if you, if you kind of, kind of following me there you'll get any of the new stuff and there's links to bgi from there um raglan country state's not there yet as a link but um that's coming at raglan country now and you'll see a lot more when it does um open more fully raglan um will come out you'll see it from dairy.live as well thank you so much dairy uh it was amazing thank you for taking the time for the creativity podcast i will let you know when everything is out and you know what have a great day bless you take care